Thank you for tuning in. This is our podcast, Healthy Family Skirts, and I'm your podcast host, Dr. Raquel Leah. You can visit our blogger, TexasHealthyFamiliesFirst.blogspot.com or stop through our website at learn-edu.org for resources, tips, legislation changes and updates, sponsorship, and membership. We are listeners supported by members like you, and we've heard your request. So, we have four advocacy goals. America's future legislative processes in family court, generational kinship and communication between parents and child, economic and educational freedom, and effective justice for parents. Thank you for tuning in. Now, let's get started. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Dr. Raquel Leah, and you're listening to Healthy Families First. I am really encouraged. I um, <laughs> It's been, I'll just be honest, a horrific last two weeks. And I thought about what I want this series of the show to comprise with. And I, 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 it's a tough subject. Sexual assault is a tough subject. And I don't want to be the demagogue of all things sexual assault. And to make sure that doesn't happen, I just have to be light and hilarious and funny about some things. And besides the good character and traits that I possess, <laughs> I remember, um, before we get into chapter two of the, of the book. I, I really do remember the, the goodness of when my children were really young and how much we just giggled and laughed and we were who we were uninhibited and the laughter of a small child and just the goodness and the sweet smell. Even when their breath smells like spoiled milk under the age of one, there's something in the love that they illuminate <laughs> that will make a parent change a dirty diet. And that's where we want to remember who we're fighting for. We we want as advocates for children as survivors, that something happened to us that victimized us as a child and you don't have to share, doesn't have to really necessarily be sexual assault. We, we just want to remember youth and what it can be before life gets complicated. The context of life sometimes we feel as though isn't worth living and bills and debt. <laughs> And divorce. <laughs> Before all that happened, there was a promise that we grew up with. The sun shined. We saw a puddle of water and we jumped in it with two feet. No regard to depth. <laughs> there were no boundaries when we were children. Of course, you have offenders and predators and, and these people that come along and rob that. But in this moment, what we want to do is, is remember just the goodness of who children are. And although there's some, some fighting stuff and legislation and um, jurisdictions and senators and congressmen and all of these people involved and just They've just forgotten what it was like to just swing on a swing, just slide down a swing set. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell my age because when I grew up, they didn't have the plastic slides. They had those stainless steel slides that sat in the sun all day that burned you as you, <laughs> as you slid down the slide. 
But I still remember, I, I, I remember that laughter and I don't care how hot that slide was. We would take off our jacket, sit on the, sit on the slide and slide down anyway. You know, we would get down to the bottom of the slide and then turn around and race up the slide to try and stop the others from sliding down the slide. Or we would race up the, up the slide to slide down the slide again, <laughs> skipping everyone before the next person could slide down the slide. We were kids. I remember one time I was on a swing set and just swinging and having a ball and I had this bright idea to fly a kite the same time I slid. I mean, I, I swing. So that's when, and I'm telling my age again, that's when there were just the bare essentials at a park. There was no jumping this and fancy this and fancy that. It was a swing and slide set, a merry-go-round, a baseball um, field where you could play any game like soccer or what's that we used to play all the time? Kickball. But nobody had a ball because all the balls went to some grouchy person's backyard and they wouldn't throw it back. <laughs> so we would I, I got this kite and the idea of flying the kite and, and I, I advocate for children just having simple toys like a butterfly catcher, just simple toys. We, we make things so complex with iPads and telephones and and what do you call those things? Xboxes and 360s. So I just had a kite and I would run back and forth with this kite and I couldn't get that kite in the air. My sister, my eldest sister got her kite in the air. My eldest brother got his kite in the air, but I hell could not get her kite in the air. And I came up with the bright idea <laughs> that if I got on the swing set and got really high, I could fly that kite from the swing set and then jump and run. <laughs> and the kite would be in the air. <laughs> it didn't work out. No, it didn't. And and I got hurt <laughs> really bad. <laughs> so that that's that's and and that's the innocence of a child. And remembering that story is kind of why you don't you you don't run investigations like Benjamin Franklin and put a key and a keychain on a kite in the rain. Not a good idea. So. <laughs> but that was me always, always thinking outside the box to get the same result, not a better result, but the same result. <laughs> and, and, and that light, you know, there was some goodness in everyone's childhood and, um, the ideas that bad people are in the world. And, and when I say bad people, let me just reframe that and, and say people with ideas and thoughts that we don't want to discover. There are those individuals and to look at the innocence of life as though it's something that they could hold in their hand. Kind of like a, um, what do you call one of those bugs with the tail that lights up? Firefly, kind of like a firefly. They think they can hold that innocence, that spiritual innocence of a child in their hand and capitalize on it. And, and that's not possible. And people don't know that. So if I can, if I can share, um, and heal wounds of adults that have some really good ideas and some really good things that happened in their childhood before they ran into predators. That's what we want to remember, that before-ness time, you know? And I'm going to take a quick break because 
I know I'm over. I, I can take a break before now, but I really want to bring lightness and joy and conversation in this episode. We'll be right back. Become a patron-level corporate sponsor. Tech taught by the Cog of Dallas and Technology, a private U.S. for-profit company founded in 1992 that specializes in information security, cybersecurity training, and selling certificates. Topics available for training include cyber and network defenses, penetration testing, incident response, digital forensic, and audit. The information security courses are developed through a consensus process involving administrators, security managers, and information security professionals. Visit their website today. And we're back. You're listening to Healthy Families First, and I'm your host, Dr. Raquel Lea, and we're going to get into Chapter 2 of uh, Recovering from Sexual Assault by Family Members. I just want to bring this one other point here. I I don't want you to be in a space where you can't see the goodness in life because life is good. And, and what we experience as children when they're not good times and, and they're hurtful events and wounds we have a hard time dealing with and they are real. I was in a, um, I had the opportunity to speak at a support group a couple of days ago regarding the book. And here, here's something that I shared with individuals. And we know this from Ecclesiastics. There's a time for this. There's a time for that. There's time for this. There's a, so there's a time for all seasons. Here's where, where I think victims or people that have had something happen to them, um, kind of, I don't want to say go wrong, but I think get off course. When, when your offender or abuser is a family member that has intimate detail about your everyday life and you're looking for them to apologize to give you some sense of freedom or you confront them with a level of accountability that you feel like they have because of the events that happened to you, your healing has gone down the wrong direction. Do you understand? That's not where you want to be. You don't want, and I'm, and I'm, and I, and I try not to use the word don't, no, won't, can't, but I'm going to use it in this content context. You don't want to place your freedom and healing in someone else's hands. They're not going to give you that. And you have just rendered over your empowerment and your healing processes. You, it's, and I, and I know that some therapist or somebody thinks it's a bright idea to confront. And maybe that, that gives a sense of peace for you or just whatever. And it's, it never goes like you think it's going to go. I think we don't understand the level of problematic personalities that some other people carry. And I don't think that when I had abuse when I was younger, or maybe some things <clears throat> that happened later on in life, I don't know that any of those people have ever apologized. I don't know that they've even felt remorse on it. I don't know. And I can't be certain that they even remember me or what they did because they have a long list of junk in their life. So 
giving others the power of your pain doesn't quite work out. Now, if you want to confront because of something saying, hey, you won't defeat me or defend me. And, you know, sometimes when their court cases, victims get to read a letter to the offender before he gets sentenced and all. I'm never an advocate of that. It, it, you'd be surprised how great an offender or a person that hurts you feel just to see your tears. And I only, I've told people from time to time, when you, when you find or are, are in a position to confront, don't be surprised if the person that victimized you laughs or will lick your tears off your face with a jovial attitude. They don't and are not going to give you the authentic repentance that you need for as long as you need it, because it would put them in an unsafe place. You understand what I'm saying? For you to, to want it, for, for you to get an apology, an authentic apology, and then them take accountability and responsibility for part of your healing processes. If people did it once or twice in counseling, that's great. And that's a person that's far few in between. Generally speaking, persons are not going to give you that. They're just not, sweetheart. And so we, what we have to do is love ourselves enough to free the other person from having to offer you an apology in order for you to move forward. It steals your joy. It robs you from singing songs in your heart while you clean the car. It consumes you like a cyclone and the Bermuda Triangle. And you trying to swim out of it isn't going to win. And, and when I spoke at that event a couple of days ago and I was Number one, I was scared because you don't, you don't want to say that you don't want to hurt someone's healing process, but you also want to be authentic and true. And they're not really, people aren't looking for you to lie to them. They're looking for you to tell them the truth. And even if they don't accept it, you'd find that later on in life, it's a nugget that'll come up from time to time. And maybe they can deal with it at that time. It changed the mood of the group I spoke with and so many people had a really good fun time and and reported to me after the engagement they hadn't had that much fun or felt that good in one of their sessions in a very long time that made me feel great if i can offer you some sense of joy some sense of peace and people need peace they need rest that's why I encourage you to get away from social media and just find your space. Find your space. If you don't return that email for a couple of days, guess what? That email is going to be right there when you get there. So that's what I wanted to offer. I didn't, I didn't want to just jump into the demagogue of what's going on with children <clears throat> without sh- showing you that there's an innocence of, of life and, and we find that um, this one child came up to me the other day, one of my nephews, and he said, uh, Titi, I'm going to stand on my head. <laughs> and he did it. He stood on his head. He was trying to break dance like they usually do in the 1980s and you spin around on your head. And he he was so fun. He's so fun. And and that's what inspired me to have a have a show with a little more heartfelt laughter in it today because we forget that laughing with children heals our academic and fundamental situations. I'm going to post an article today um, and it's from, well, I'm reposting it actually. I love to repost because it's the easiest thing to do. And it's, it just talks about school activities and knock knock jokes that children 
you know, um, laugh about and jokes about people and jokes about school. These, these are jokes that children told each other in a focus group and easy riddles for kids to, to, to repeat to each other. That's the fundamentals of life that we don't want to forget. We want to remember why we felt as though our innocence was this or that and that there was an innocent component there. And we want to remember that as we advocate and move forward, there's an innocence in children and a lifestyle in children and a rearing in children that helps adults heal and brings joy to our lives, but it also saves the life of a child. Thank you for listening in. Let's take a short break. This is Raquel Leah. Healthy Families First Broadcast remains a free service for listeners, authors, and guests. In large part, thanks to your generosity and financial support. Every time you donate to our membership platform and join our community, you benefit with engagement, tips, resources, and professional guides. With your generosity of $3, $28, $150, or even $500 a month, you have the comfort of set it and forget it approach. Visit our page. Visit patreon.com forward slash healthy families first and become a patron. And we're back. <laughs> You're listening to Healthy Families First, and we are sponsored by the Cognitive Institute of Dallas. It's about time I say that, right? So you can go to learn-edu.org to learn more about the show, um, some of our content, some of our context. And at some point, we're going to come out with this magazine. We have two finished we have two, two, just two finished magazine articles and well, magazines with the articles. And it's just, I'm pulling 75 hours a week in cybersecurity. So when I get to it and when they edit what I have, we'll proceed. And I want to go ahead and, and kind of dove into the book. And the name of the book is, um, it's one of the breaking generational curses series books. Um, I don't know how to say this. <laughs> I am responsible for posting the chapters. And for some reason, I didn't know the chapters were not posting for you to purchase. They are posting now. It's fixed. It's still one thing I need to tweak on it. But chapter, uh, the introduction is up. Chapter one is not up. I skipped chapter one. And, and chapter two is now, is now up active and live. And I've already had three people purchase it. So chapter two of the book is up and live. So when you visit e-junkie, oh, okay. So when I say e-junkie, it's e-junkie. And when you go to bbsradio.com slash healthy families first, our host page, I will have somewhere on there where you can kind of, it's a clickable link where you can purchase chapter by chapter. If you can't get it, it's e-junkie.com slash Healthy Families First. That's it. And you can go ahead and download the first episode where we did the introduction. The second episode I I did where we did chapter one, I didn't put up and I'll, I'll discuss with you now. I mean, in a minute why I didn't. And then chapter two <clears throat> is up running in live and I've had people purchase it so that it's functional and, and it works. And I know this. So... Well, as a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and put up chapter one. I'll, I'll just put it up for those of you that want to um, jump into it. I stuck with the introduction for two episodes because I wanted to set the stage of what I considered <clears throat> what the what I considered during the book. And so with chapter two and we get into 
the repudiation of sexual assault. And when I say repudiation, that's a cybersecurity term. And basically what it means is that you set up certain controls and automatic solutions so that the person that commits a crime cannot say they didn't commit the crime. For example, if someone were to send you an email and it comes from a certain person, you say, hey, why did you send me that email? And you confront them. That person says, hey, I I didn't send that email. I was at the library. I think I forgot to log out. That's what happened. I was at the public library. I forgot to log out. I did not send you that email. So now there's a figure of doubt. So repudiation means that there's no figure of doubt. The repudiation means someone has set up certain credentials or certain tools so that when they catch someone doing something that breaks some level of law, regulation, or policy, that person that they confront cannot say they didn't do it. Well, how do you do that, Achel? I'll tell you how you can do it. Um, two-step verification with biometrics. If there needs to be a fingerprint scan, if there needs to be a retina scan, and then the person also can use their username and password. And then if the computer for the, if the keyboard sits idle for more than three minutes, then everything shuts off and shuts down. And so that person has to re-sign on again. So you do things like that. And, and even if it's idle for three minutes, there's cameras in the room. And now you can authenticate once again, that the person is in the room and the person actually sent the email. You understand what I'm saying? So because you have biometrics and because you have two-step verification and then video, this person, when you can confront them about that particular email, can't then come back and say, hey, well, I didn't do it. So you see the difference between the two cases? That's what we don't have in our in, in set up in our system today with some things that are going on in politics. So, so chapter two talks about sexual assault with reputation of dominance, title, and position. Now you can, you can, this is 2019, so I'm not talking particularly about Donald Trump, our president. I don't want to talk about Donald Trump, our president. People, people have their own conclusion of what they believe. What I'm talking about is a child. And I'm talking about the fact that the person that has hurt you has some kind of title, position, and dominance. Be it, and I'm just going to throw this out there because it's the easier, it's the easier go-to. A family friend who's babysit you and all the kids for more than 20 years. Close family friend. An uncle. An aunt. You know, a woman sexually assaulting a girl. Um, a pastor. Don't let me say anything about the Catholic Church. Oh my goodness. So you understand where I'm going with this? So the person that is the offender in the child's life has a reputation of dominance. If you say something, then everybody around you is going to shut you down. You can't prove it. You are a child. You're not that good with your words anyway. They manipulate. They have a reputation of loudness and dominance. And if anyone goes against them, they are crushed. So that's what you're dealing with as a child. So the person has this, their domineering figure. They have a, a title of authority, maybe dad, maybe uncle. And I say that because I'm female gender. Okay. And, and they have some sort of position, a politician, not that high, not that high. Let's bring it down some. Let's just say that they do good volunteer work in the community and no one has ever made a complaint. And so if you complain, you're going to be ostracized by your community. Now, I, you know what? Let me slow things down. I, it took me two episodes to do the introduction and I skipped chapter one. All right. 
it took two episodes. And so now I see maybe each chapter is going to take two episodes. I don't know. We're going to take this slow so that people get it. The book is a very hard read. And I've talked to people that have bought the book. One lady took two years to read it. And she, she was at a book signing that I had. And I don't want to, without giving too much information regarding her background, let's just say that she did not cry every chapter. It was just a lot of truth and it was a hard read. So if sometimes all you can do is read a chapter and it may take you a week. I won't say a chapter. Let me, let me slow things down. Depending on where you are in your, in your process, you may only be able to read a paragraph and you may have to step away a week. Don't forget about the book. You, some people are afraid of the title. I, and I, and I, I've made these books such long titles so that when you're a victim and you're new in the healing process, you kind of don't know what you need. And so whatever you Google, these titles are going to come up. And that was the point that the titles would come up for you. And so if you're at the, the place and space that you can only read a paragraph, let that be your place in space. Don't share that with others. Don't share your vulnerability with people who don't protect your heart. Victims have a way of doing that. They don't see traffic lights. It's like they're, um, they don't see color. It's like they're colorblind. You, the people that have been victimized don't normally see warning signs. And if it was a train coming, they hear the horn, they see the the gate coming down, crossing the train track, but they can't see the red flashing lights. They can't see the yellow flashing lights that were there 500 feet ago. We are, are it, it takes practice to put those things in place. So that being said, if you are learning building blocks, on how to how how to advocate for yourself, have a voice, tell your story in a safe place. When when the only thing you can do is read a chapter, I'm I mean a paragraph. I'm telling you not to share that. There's certain you don't you haven't yet discovered and put in place the warning signs that some people are bad people and other people are not bad people. And so until you're able to decipher that, some things you should just tell your heart and go with it. And I'm telling you that that's not failure if you can read a paragraph and you have to come back. That And, and, and that book sits right there, but don't forget about it. Go back and read the next paragraph. Say to yourself, you're going to get through a chapter a year. Listen to the show. Get into group. And when you're in group, that's probably the best place for you because you learn how to tell your story by listening to other people's story. You learn to talk through the pain. You learn to cry through it and then heal from it. So evidently this will be two episodes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I hope I'm not messing up. I'm I'm trying to speak in the same tone. So when the producer uh, looks at this, he doesn't say, hey, you're too close to the microphone or something. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning radio. All right. So back to reputation, power, and dominance. All right. I don't want you to feel alone. I'm going to give you a chance to purchase the chapter. And people have purchased it. So it's up and out. And when you don't share you do feel alone. You do feel alone. I am going to help you deal with that loneliness and give you some keys when we come right back. Healthy Families First Magazine offers advertising package deals that include print, online banners, and radio show ads. We have experience working with custom ads, 
to make readers stop and read the words by providing potential clients with an ad design, one that excels with media design and audience coverage. Contact Healthy Families First magazine by visiting our show page, bbsradio.com forward slash Healthy Families First. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Dr. Raquel Leia, and I will say the best place for me to um, broadcast is always outside. So I can be outside at home. I can be outside at my booze house. I'm telling you right now, the best place to do it is early in the morning. It's not so early right now where I'm broadcasting, but I am in the car. And that's the place where I feel it's the best time to really get into this topic and be consistent for my listeners. Because when I go in the house, it's all cybersecurity. Okay. <laughs> when I check one email, even if I check it at five, if I respond to one text, it opens the door for the whole day. And I can't find my space to do advocacy work and philanthropy. That's got to change. So if ever you hear cars going by <laughs> or some nonsense, Dr. Leia, I am just here uh, supporting you. It's not perfect, but we're putting this thing together and we're going to we're going to get you healed. So I was talking about giving you space to heal. And that feeling of loneliness. So when dealing with big reputations, people that have some dominance over your world indirectly, they have power to shut you down. They have more resources, you know, than you do. You have to remember that <clears throat> one of the good things about social media is that it is the Me Too movement hashtag. And I really don't think that that African-American women have a voice in the Me Too movement. I think it's it's a cultural, um, non-person of color movement. And we are finding our space in that. There are different cultural injustices that have been done, particularly to African-American women, that the Me Too movement doesn't address. And that's okay. It's very fluid and it's in the beginning stages. However, I have found comfort in the Me Too movement because you don't feel alone. Listening to those stories from some of these women um, give you a classic idea that, wow, I can't believe this is happening all over the world. Wow. Are you serious? Oh, my goodness. Really? This is what it's about? And there's a lot of anger and pain, but there's also support. When people start talking, and I will say my age and under, no, no, my age and over that, that didn't have resources of focus groups, forums, social media to have an opportunity to find discovery and hope. The Me Too movement isn't a, um, fix all, all right. It isn't a jack of all trades. It's to get the conversation started. And so I hope that African-American women, Jewish women of color, such as myself and other women of color come alongside this movement. And for what the movement does do, it helps you eloquently state what has happened. It, it tells you that you're not alone. So take that as an acultural thing. And when I say acultural, I mean fluid, no cultural base to it at all. And let that be a starting ground for you to kind of catapult yourself off of. So that's a, that's a solution that sometimes you have to meet people where they are. And just like people are going to meet you where you are in your healing process, please understand that the Me Too movement I don't think it's particularly trying to um, separate by culture. It naturally separates by culture. 
these women that are in the Me Too movement have gotten started in Hollywood. They have affluence. Most of them are of the Caucasian descent. And most of them um, are not aware that culturally speaking, African-American women and women of color, Spanish women of color, Hispanic women of color. I don't know if Asians call themselves women of color, so I'm just going to leave it out. But but that fluid women of color have cultural differences that don't include money, that don't include any any signs of affluence. But it does share the Me Too movement as a back a backlash that there is some reputation, dominance, and title behind what's going on, which means that you should keep your situation secret. That's point one. So here here's another point. Um, because I don't want you to feel alone, I want you to to understand that this happens all over the world in different contexts, but it's the same thing. Let's take out the sexual piece. Let's just say that we're talking about reputation of dominance, power and some sort of position. This happens in our country in corporations. And that's why we have antitrust commission laws. And that's why we have organizations and the FTC going after organizations and shutting them down. What happens is that one organization being the big boss will come in and restrict some sort of function that makes mom and pop organizations around the world shut down. So this is a cross-border situation here. So the this big company will come in and push in another country, these smaller countries around, maybe a third world country, maybe they'll push them around. That's why we have these antitrust and commission fines because a reputation of dominance, and I don't want to mention one corporation over another corporation, a reputation of dominance proceeds where one entity, one corporation has cabillions of dollars and they do work internationally in a third world country. And then they shut down the growth of cocoa beans for coffee. They shut down the the manufacturer of potatoes for potato chips. They shut down the industry for seamstress and then they make them work for pennies on the dollar. They shut down the trade for alcohol. These are antitrust laws. So I don't want you to think that you're alone, that you're isolated, that this one person is just the worst person in the world that has offended you and and victimized you. They do this all the time with varying topics. It's the same thing. The big person with the big whacking stick will whack you upside the head to get what they want from you. You have been targeted. Okay? It goes on and on and on. It, it also, it also is the same predominance when we're looking at different governments. In this country, sexual assault is against the law. Sometimes I think that's just on paper. As a matter of fact, I know it's just on paper. There's a lot of men that are sexually assaulted too. So I don't want you to think that I share more, um, more comfort for one gender than the other. I don't. This also happens in governments where one government whacks another government. You understand what I'm saying? And if you don't, I'll give you an example. Let's talk about foreign trade. And I just want you in bringing up the topic to understand that people with the characteristics of, of reputation, dominance and power victimize people and communities and countries like running water i don't want you to feel that your situation is so small that you're an ant or some kind of antibody on the ground and 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 you're just getting mixed up in different fluids that's not the issue here i want you to understand that what is happening to you is perpetrated all over the community where it pertains to sex where it pertains to corporations, and where it pertains to government. There are people that carry these characteristics that have power, position, and title, and they will take from individuals. And so how do you heal when you're one of the individuals that something was taken from? Let me finish with governments first. Okay, so we can talk about the Cold War and the Iron Curtain, and if you don't know your history, Google it. 
<laughs> they didn't have Google when I was younger. I had to read. I had books that were thick, the size of my hand, and I had to read each page and you couldn't write in it. So you had to take notes on a piece of paper and they don't even teach handwriting in schools anymore. So I don't want to hear you complain when I ask you to Google something. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let me get back to this. <clears throat> so during the Cold War, there was a lot of <clears throat> the USSR, which is now Russia. They put up this iron curtain and later... um they did some other stuff, but let's just stay with the Iron Curtain for for cohesiveness sake, okay? The idea was that bilateral trade would not happen. The idea was that there was a bear down on states that didn't have their sovereignty, and there had to be institutional arrangements for organizations to do business on the other side of the Iron Curtain, and there were no organizations that would agree with that. So the communities that lived within that iron curtain were dying, literally dying. So you had a monger with reputation, power, and prominence killing his people on a day-to-day basis and not letting his people enjoy the freedoms of trade, the freedoms of purchase, the freedoms of supply and demand, and, and eating every day. And electricity. So the communist movement, USSR, uh, when we talk about the Soviet Union, we're talking about an area and ideology um, that believed that for whatever reason, there is a infamous iron curtain and it held and stopped the production of businesses manufacturers to the point to where people were not eating every day and did not have their basic human needs or their rights. And the point of that conversation is to share with you next week, I mean, in the next episode, when we when we get into the meat of the chapters, I don't want you to feel as though your situation is the only situation, but I want you to feel that your voice is important. Share your story. Get it out there. And when I say get it out there, I don't mean on social media. Please don't do that. I mean, get it out of your mouth. Get it out of your system. Um, I have a hormonal imbalance. Well, I think most women wish they had my hormones, but the hormonal imbalance I have is I have, I think it's 0.23 more testosterone than the highest level on the Richter scale for women. No, I don't have a penis. <laughs> but I have a propensity to be able to lose weight. I have a propensity to, to you know, lose weight faster, to not feel some things that mostly other women feel because they have a huge supply of estrogen. So I don't have those things. But that being said, when I'm frustrated and angry, my testosterone level is out the roof. And the only thing I can do to bring it out, I can't confront to bring it down, bring it down. I can't have a conversation to bring it down. I can't have great sex to bring it down. The only thing that brings it down is running aggressively for about eight miles. And when I come back, I am exhausted and now I have time to process and think. And so that's the advantage of having, you know, a smidgen more testosterone. It is just a biological function. It's how my body processes frustration, anger. It's how my body processes the need for speed. (laughs) So when I'm out there, I talk loudly and scream about whatever I'm frustrated about. And when I out there. I have my own voice and it doesn't matter if other people are out there. They don't know what I'm talking about. I'm running. I'm walking fast. I'm power walking. I'm walking slow. I'm moving out of their way. They're moving out of mine. Most of the time they have on some kind of radio or headset or something. But what am I doing? 
I am talking and I am screaming loud and I am talking about the injustice. I am giving myself a voice. And when I get to where I'm two thirds of the way in, I shut it down. I say, okay, what's the solution? What are we going to do? Are we going to avoid the situation? Are we going to deal with the situation? Are we going to come up with some controlled factors for the situation? How are we going to move forward? And I go through that. I won't say daily. I go through that a lot where I have to get outside, do some running or get on the treadmill and, and go. I will go to the gym at 1.30 in the morning just so I can have a space by myself and alone. You understand? So find your voice. I want whatever happened to you to to start to purge upward. Purge upward from the pit of your stomach up through your esophagus through your vocal cords, and out of your mouth. And if you don't know the details, that's fine. You're only telling you. If you don't, if, if you, whatever that level of frustration is, begin to speak it out of your mouth so that you can find your space. That's important. And the, the more you speak it out of your mouth to you, the more you can hear yourself repeat it and you can then begin to process because you're hearing it out of your own ear. Be your own best friend. Okay? Let's take a short break. To hear more Healthy Family First programming, go to bbsradio.com forward slash Healthy Families First. And thank you for listening in. This is Healthy Families First. I am your host, Dr. Raquel Lea. All right, so this is the tail end. <clears throat> I have not figured out how we're going to end the show, how I'm going to pray for you as an adult that may not have had someone pray for you when you was a child. And so I'll pray for that inner child, and then I'll pray for children. And this is a standard prayer. Please don't send me texts or messages or contact Camille about faith, religion, or any of that stuff, because I want everybody to be free to practice whatever they want to practice. But I want to pray for you because I feel like it's something that every child should have. I'm not going to jump on you about scripture. I'm not going to jump on you about salvation. I'm not going to jump on you about Judaism, Hinduism, Confucianism, other isms, ism, ism, ism. We won't do that. That's not where this show is going. We want to pray for the righteous mind of individuals. That's it. That's it. So we'll get into that a little uh, later. <clears throat> However, I wanted to mention... Just one other proceeding point. Um, and when, when you hear this show, as I said before, you can go to e-junkie.com slash healthy families first and you can get your chapter for $3.99 and listen in on the show so that we'll talk about it and walk through it together. I think I'm going to read some excerpts or play some excerpts in articles. I'll produce those articles today. So the articles will be out because I really, I already have the content, it, you know, and I'm going to say it until I can't say it anymore. I'm doing 75 hours a week in a totally different industry. And it is, I have clients that I haven't talked to in weeks. <laughs> so, but <clears throat> philanthropy is very important to me and it's a part of my heart. And so who I am and, and what I've experienced in my life up into the gorgeous, beautiful 45 year old woman that you have before you today, I need to share some things with you. 
and I put those things in eight books on Amazon. So here's what Amazon has done. And I've, I've emailed these people. Once things happen with Amazon, you're not going to change it. it. They're too big. I wish they would fail, but they're just, we have let Amazon get out of control. So <clears throat> I have two Arthur pages. One Arthur page, uh, Dr. Rachel Robertson has all eight books, but there's one or two other Arthur pages that just have two books or one book. And I have emailed Amazon to the hilt. There, there's nothing that they're going to do about it. And the book that was on Globe and that was the bestseller book on Globe and Mail and Globe and Mail bestsellers list. I don't know what's going on. I still don't um, have the royalties for those. The, the uh, Federal Trade Commission and the Attorney General shut down that publisher. And so royalties are coming and all of those proceeds will go to helping families and uh, victims and things like that. And I will actually hire an assistant again for the year. Yes. <laughs> so that are up and coming. So we're, we're kind of slowing down with the magazine. There are, um, I want to be sure that we're righteous in the laws that we follow. So that has been the hold up. But we do have two, um, magazines ready for publication. And, and I, we just have to continue to work out some detail. I'd like to start having some guests on the show. And I don't know when that's going to happen. Just put it in the, the itinerary, put a pin in it on a sticky note and put it on the wall. <laughs> and um, this, I, like I said again, and, and we'll get into the meat of each chapter on the next episode. I wanted you to remember that life is about, it's not just about laughter, but it is about laughter as a child. You know, um, I was so saddened. I don't think people understand how sad I was to hear about the nonsensical behavior of Bill Cosby because he had a reputation of dominance, power, and influence. I, I was saddened to hear that. And people don't understand that Bill Cosby taught, Bill Cosby taught me how to read. You understand? For black people, Seeing black people on television in the 70s and 80s, that was epic. And you don't have to be my race or my culture to understand or identify with the fact that another culture that was separated and segregated looked toward black people being on TV. And that was just, that was a huge surprise. And him and LeVar Burton, and a lot of people don't know who LeVar Burton is. LeVar Burton was on Reading Rainbow. There was a, there was a crisis meltdown on the fact that black people had no education in the seventies. And so when they hired a black man for the electric company and Reading Rainbow, and then there was Bill Cosby, that was it. There was only three black people in the world, you know? And those were the black people on TV. So to hear that this man took advantage of his position in title hurts. And we're going to leave that there because I don't want to get too deep into it because we have to end the show. So here's a prayer. And I, and I don't think people are aware that in Judaism, there's a prayer that children pray over their parents. And it says, Our Father in heaven, let our parents be healthy and serve you with joy. And let our hearts listen to our father and our mother and respect them always. Our father and our mother will guide us and teach us the Torah and good deeds and will be successful in their health and prosperity. Fulfill all their wishes. Our Father in heaven, save us and all Israel and we will praise you and respect your name and honor the Torah always. I would love, 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 love for more parents to say, hey, my kids pray for me. I love that. And just something short, just something short and sweet 
bless my parents in their travel today. Parents need that. Parents are having a hard time in the economy, in education, and in debt. And and I think we got that way almost because of the idea of having a family, because of the idea of our children, and now in having our children. And so in blessing our children, it, it's literally four lines <clears throat> for the girls. It says, may you be like Sarai, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah to the boys. May you be like Ephraim and Manasseh. And then to all, may God bless you and guard you. May God show you favor and be gracious to you. And may God show you kindness and grant you peace. And so that is my prayer. Thank you for listening to Healthy Families First. I am your host, Dr. Raquel Leah. So this is where our journey must end. And saying good evening and goodbye to you today does not mean that you don't get another opportunity to impact your generation, legislation, an effective change in your kinship and relationship with your child or your children. And as always, the vision of our broadcast is incomplex that you consider, catch, check out, and cradle simple approaches to parenting and communication. And we are here to help support. And in kind, your generosity helps parents' liberties and freedoms from constraint to guide and parent their children and grandchildren in safe and healthy places. Won't you become a patron today? Visit our supporters page at patreon.com slash healthyfamiliesfirst.